You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. If you're a lady in this place, will you reach your arm out right now? There's power in agreement. You want that man to be the man of God? Pray for him. You want that man to be who he was called to be? Intercede on his behalf. Instead of saying, hey, you don't do anything right, say, I got faith in you, you can get it right. If we could just change what we say, we can change what we get. So right now, just if you're a if you're a woman in here, you see this these men standing up. I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Just begin to pray for them. If they're your husband, pray. If that's your dad, be praying. If they're, if none of these are your dad or you're not, pray for pray for them all. We're not a spectator church. We're a church that wants to raise up people for the giftings and the callings and the kingdom work God has. So we pray for each other. So right now I just pray in the name of Jesus over every man that's in this place, over every father. I pray for every man because if you're a man, you can be a father to the fatherless. So if you're in this place right now and you don't think you're a father, I'm asking you to stand right now and to embrace being a father. Embrace being a father to your neighbor's son, to your friend's sons, to daughters of your neighbor, daughters of your friends. There are few fathers. So I want you to embrace it. Say, I am a father. I am a father. Because I have the spirit of the father in me. Say, I got the spirit of the father in me. That's how we're fathers. We're not the fathers because we have a heart We have the heart of the Father. We can have a heart to be a father and we'll be a failure as a father lest we have the heart of the Father that dictates our heart to be a father. So right now in the name of Jesus, I speak a transformation of the mindset of every man in this place. That you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you to be a father. And I'm praying that, God, you would raise up fathers in this house that are not afraid of what people will think when they live a radical life for Jesus. I'm raising up, God, raise up fathers in this house that are not afraid of what people say when they speak truth out of love into the lives of people that need a father. There's no age limit to those that need a father. 
And so God, raise up fathers in this place. I pray for that anointing to fall in this place on each and every man. I come into agreement with every woman in this place that, that is declaring and decreeing that their husband will be and is a father and a leader in their home for the glory of God, for the glory of God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray a release of every negative thought, every negative memory of a circumstance where we feel like we have failed as a father. I pray for the breaking of that right now in the minds of every man in this room. Yesterday does not dictate our tomorrows. So every failure, everything that we think is a failure, we turn it over to the hands of Jesus. We give it to our Father in heaven. And we say, God, take that failure. And your word says that everything that was meant for evil, every time we have failed, you are able to take that. If we just give it to your hands, you're able to take that and turn it around for good. To those that believe in you, seek you, love you, so, God, we believe you, we love you, we seek you, and we give you everything that we have ever failed at. And we thank you for turning it around for good. We thank you that it's going to give us strength to do what we're called to do. We thank you, God, that you are greater than anything we could have ever failed at. You are greater at anything that we could have ever made a mistake. You are greater. And you are pouring out your spirit to strengthen us, to stand firm and confident in our calling to be a father. And I pray that in the matchless, mighty name of Jesus. And all of those that believe God is able, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God, we got to break the spirit. We got to break the demonic spirit that's been placed over this city, over this state, over this nation, and I'm here to tell you that that spirit is a direct attack upon fathers. You don't think it's some mistake that the majority of your, pardon me for saying this, but when you get to go to drag queen shows, it's usually a man dressed like a woman doing some stuff they shouldn't be doing. Why do they want to take away manhood? Why did every show, probably starting in the 1960s to 70s, every show made man look like a failure? They were a bumbling idiot. They never got anything right. I don't care what, you know, I don't know if you like Ted Bundy or don't care about the show, whatever. He was a bumbling idiot. 
on the show because there was nothing more important to the devil than to tear down men. If you didn't have that confidence to stand up and know that you were created in the image and likeness of God with a purpose, that was how he won. He tore down that image, and look what it's resulting in today. You may think that there's something else going on, but I'm here to tell you that the, the LGBTQ, at one time they used to say was less than 1%. Now they say, listen, and I'm not just talking about this, but I got to get this to you. So you got to know the wiles of the enemy. You got to know what you're dealing with. I'm not talking about this to condemn those that are in that lifestyle. They're already condemned by the word of God. We can love them out of it, but we have to understand the spiritual warfare and the fact that at one time it was less than 1%, now they say it's 3.5%, and some say it's even as high as 7 just in the last 2 to 3 years. Let me give you a clue. When you start telling them at 4 and 5 years of age that there's something they have no idea about, they begin to get an identity, and here's the thing. Identity comes from the Father. It is one of the callings of a man in the household of which we have begun to vacate. We say, well, I'm not getting along with that woman. I'm not going to fight for my household. I'm going to leave. And for all the women who think I'm better off without a husband without a man in my house and you just easily give up on the man you have now created a gap in your house and you have eliminated the very substance of the identity in which your kids are getting because identity love comes from the mother identity comes from the father it's scriptural and we eliminate man thinking nothing of it, and what we have done is we have eliminated the force that brings in identity, and then we kind of think it's strange that the identity of the children wandering around in the world today is twisted. Well, their identity is coming from a twisted source because we as men have failed to fight for our God-given position. This isn't in my notes yet, but let me just tell you this. I know what it's like. I knew what it was like. I got married young. We had kids young. I had all, and I had a lot of inferiority conflict. I didn't know how to be a father. I felt like I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. I know that I would look back today and there are things I would have done different. And one of the things I would have done different was I would have spent a whole lot more time telling my kids who they were. Now, thank God he was able to keep them despite me. Right? But here's the thing. Some of you in this room are older. Kids are gone. Some of you in this room are younger and you're raising kids. And here's what the world does. 
oh, why don't you young people hang out with young people and you old people hang out with old people and please don't get together because you may just find wisdom in those that have been down the road. And so we bring in this thing that separates because we want to hang around with those we're comfortable with and we don't even understand that we've eliminated the very foundation of God. A generation that doesn't teach opens a door for a generation to begin a curse. Why do you think they were told to put stones up? And then the fathers would bring the kids back and explain the stones when they crossed the Jordan. What God had done. And then eventually they stopped going there. And they stopped learning what God had done. And then all of a sudden they didn't know who God was. Let's just keep separating the old people from the young people. Because, you know, society says, this is what we should do. And the church just happens to be weak enough to go along with society because that is easy. And all we need to do is get a crowd so our offering is big enough so I can afford to live. I don't care about a crowd and I don't care about an offering. And if you think you're the source of how I live, you can forget it. But what I do care about is I care about the principles and the patterns of God and reestablishing the kingdom of God on this earth, which means we need to establish fathers and we need to establish connections with older people, with younger people, within the men and within the women. Say, well, I like getting together with my friends. I like it. Fine, have a day that you do that, but don't <laughs> forsake getting together with some of the older ladies. They can learn from your vitality and your strength as you learn from their wisdom and what they've walked through. We just sat in a meeting on Monday, apostolic prophetic meeting, is that what it was? Apostolic prophetic meeting, I think the lady, was she like 70? What was the lady that stood up and said, I'm not handing off my baton yet. I'm running with them. She's like 70-whatever years old. She says, I'm not handing off my baton. I'm running with them. But she was also saying she wanted the fire of the younger to be in her so she could run. And if you can't walk, the Bible says if you can't walk with the footmen, you'll never run with the horses. We need the fire of the younger to be around the older to keep us ignited. And the older have to understand, I have something to give. And we can bring that back together and we can begin to break generational curses. I like a bunch of 20-year-olds wanting to break generational curses. Great, but I would love it. And I'm not against that. But I would love it if a 20-year-old got together with a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, a 60-year-old, all the way up to 80-year-old, get together with them, and then you together break generational curses in unison, in unity. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I haven't preached in so long, I don't even know if I remember how. Go back to school. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. 
I go to the school, the school of the spirit. Some schools have the school of Reader's Digest. God had to remove it from the bookshelf so people quit preaching out of it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Powerful chapter. Start at verse 1. I was going to give Becca, you know, like uh, the, the, the verses in advance. It was all in my mind to do. But she's so good, she'll catch up. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to go verse 1 through 10. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? By faith. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, if your Bible says it, I would cross that out and put faith there. So you remember what you're reading. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, the men of old obtained a good report. By faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God. You can't even get through Genesis 1-1 without faith. In the beginning, God. Before you read about any creation, before you read about anything, you want to debate about how the stars got there and how the, I don't care. They got there by God. In the beginning, God. You don't have faith after that. You're going to search for something else to take the place of God because you don't have faith to believe that in the beginning was God. Formed out of nothing. Outside of time. God. By faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. The faith Abel offered to God more excellent sacrifice than Cain offered. Though he was approved as righteousness with God, testifying concerning his gifts, he still speaks through his faith, though he is dead. Say, man, I want my faith to speak after I'm gone. Come on, think about that. What a mindset if we would operate out of a mindset like that. I want my faith to continue to speak after I take my last breath on this side of glory. Because, you know, once you take your last breath on this side, it only gets better. If you know who Jesus is. By faith, Enoch was taken to heaven so that he would not see death. Wow. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he had this commendation that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Think about if you saw God as a rewarder for seeking him, you, would, you wouldn't have to worry about what man rewards you for. You'd be like, yeah, the reward of God is far greater than what man could do anyway. By faith, Noah being divinely warned 
about things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark to save his family, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would later receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the promised land, as in the foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which, was, which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. This scripture is called the Hall of Faith. Now, it goes on to talk about Sarah later. I'm not trying to dismiss the faith of women, but did we notice there was a lot of men in this scripture that made a difference in the world by faith? By faith. I want to talk about Everybody knows Abraham. He's the father of faith. Abraham, right? We love, we celebrate Abraham. First off, not to diminish Abraham because he is the father of faith. And through Abraham, we have a lot of blessings. But can I tell you, Abraham made some mistakes? He made some. But when he made the mistakes he would go back to his faith in God. When he realized, wait a minute, I did that out of fear. I'm returning back to faith. We just get that way where when we start to do something out of fear, we got to recognize, just recognize you're only motivated by two things in life. You're either motivated by fear or you're motivated by faith. That's what, you're mo that's what motivates you. You say, well, I don't know, I'm motivated by anger. Anger is motivated by fear. When you're in fear, you become angry. When you're in fear and you see a circumstance or a situation around you and you become angry, it's because you see the circumstance and the situation around you out of fear. If you were in that same situation and circumstance and you saw it through faith, you wouldn't respond in anger. You'd respond in expectation of what God is about to do. Because he's never been removed from his throne. And he's never, contrary to what your mind wants to tell you, contrary to what them little voices want to tell you, he's never taken his eye off you. Well, I don't know how God could ever love me. I've done this. I know God, he's, he, he's not paying attention to me. God's left me. God's forsaken me. No, he's not. That is a lie. And when we believe with faith, we would remove those thoughts. We would take captive those thoughts. We would bind those things that are not. And we would call the things that are as though they were. Out of faith. We would change how we see. 
We wouldn't walk by sight. We'd walk by faith. Stop asking God to open up the eyes to see things in the natural. Ask him to open up your eyes to see things in the spirit. Ask him like the, like the prophet of God that said, God, show my servant. Right? So we can move by faith. Open up your eyes to see how great God is. But there's a thing about Abraham that most of us maybe don't even know or we don't even think about. Abraham had a father. Well, we're like, oh, well, that's nothing new. I figured that, right? I thought this guy was going to talk about something I didn't know. Well, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was given direction. We know this story. We celebrate it in the church. Chapter 12. We'll start there. It says, now, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your family, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And he goes on to tell him, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless them who bless you and curse them who curse you, and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. His faith still speaks today, and so can yours, after you're gone. But he came from something that we're familiar with. He came from a dysfunctional home. The world's taught us how to be victims. God has shown us in his world how to overcome. Abraham came from a dysfunctional home. Just go up chapter 11. I'm just going to read two verses. 31. Start at 31. His father was Tahar. And he took his son Abram and his grandson Lot and son, son of uh, Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. Do you see that? To go to the land of Canaan. And then there's this little three-letter transitional word, stuck. It's the one we use quite often. I know God can do it, but. But. When they came to Haran, they settled there. So was Abraham given the direction to go to Canaan? 
or was his father given the direction to go to Canaan? I say this all the time. I keep saying it. You can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Because people will preach to you about, you know, they'll preach to you about chapter 12 because they want you to know, hey, Abraham, there's blessings in Abraham. Grab a hold of the blessings of Abraham. The problem is you don't read chapter 11 and you don't understand that Abraham had to overcome to get to the place that those blessings could flow through him. And we're stuck and we're like, yeah, but Abraham, Abraham had it easy. God spoke to him. God told him where to go. God covered him. God carried him. God did everything for him. He, all, he had it all together. No, he came from a dysfunctional home. He came from a disobedient father. In today's world, we use that as an excuse. Well, I can't help it. I just don't live in the right house, so I can't do the great things on the inside of me God's given me because, you know, I just don't, I don't have what everybody else has. Oh, yeah, what's everybody else have? What do they have? Have you sat down with them? Have you interviewed them? Have you talked to them? Have you heard their story? That's why Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want to tell you this, you should begin to start writing down. I'll give you an assignment. Start writing out your testimony. We had a meeting the other day, and I said this, and it never came to my mind before, but I was talking to Pastor Jimmy the other day, and I said, think about sitting down with somebody. I would love to get together. We're working on something. We're going to put together a class. We're going to put together some training and discipleship. But I said this, I go, think about bringing people in and saying, write out your testimony and then going through a class. And when the class is done, okay, read that testimony. How would you write it today now that you have understanding? I, I don't mean this as any disrespect, but I've heard a lot of testimonies where I sit there and I go, where's God? I didn't hear God. I didn't hear God. I heard I like this, I like that, I had to overcome this, I had to do that, I had this, I had that. And I go, where's God? Oh, that sounds great, you overcame. By you, and when you think you overcame by you, you will be back where you think you overcame. Because only God has the power to keep you. Did you hear what I said? Only God's power is the power that can keep you. I think you write your testimony, you ought to read it a few times, figure out what your testimony really is. And if God even is in there, is he in there? So Abraham came from a dysfunctional home. If you were to read some more history on Abraham, you would hear things like he had idols all over his house. He celebrated gods, the Mesopotamian gods, 
and he had idols all over his house. Abraham wasn't brought up in a God-fearing home. But when we look at stuff, and we look at Abraham's father, his lineage has great magnitude in the Scripture. Despite the fact he didn't do what God asked him to do. Maybe the reason I'm saying that is because some of us are spending way too much time looking at our past thinking there's no way God can do anything because we, were, we weren't doing what we were supposed to do back then. Abraham's father didn't do it either. But his lineage is so great that when you go into the book of Luke, Chapter 3, you'll see that Luke talks about Abraham's father. He made it to the New Testament. There's not very many scriptures about him even in the Old Testament, but he made it into the New Testament to show the lineage. The son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah. He may, he's mentioned there, despite the fact he was given a direction and he didn't do it. We read that he came from Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur was a large and prosperous city in Mesopotamia. Today that city would be Iraq. We look in Genesis 11, 27. I wrote something down wrong. Well, there's a talk about, <clears throat> yeah, Genesis eleven thirty two. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. He never made it to Canaan. He never made it to where he was told to go. He settled in a place that was full of comfort and ease, not being challenged. He settled in a place where he could be comfortable, and he never made it to where God called him to be. Joshua even talks about him in Joshua 24, 2. In Joshua's farewell address to the people of Israel, he gives them this. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham. And they served other gods. They served other gods. In Acts chapter 7, 
verse 2 through 4, Stephen says this. He gives a powerful account of God's movement in Israel, God's movement within a family. And he says, as he's talking to the leaders, the high priests, he says this. He says, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to the land in which we now dwell. The Jews were in Canaan, dwelling, because Abraham brought them there. But they didn't get there till after Abraham's father died. Some people think that Abraham left before his dad died, but this scripture obviously says that his dad died. Just to clear that up, if you ever look at some stuff, it lists the three sons, and it doesn't list them necessarily. What order are the three sons listed in? And if Abraham was the first son, or was Abraham the last son? Or was Abraham the middle son? And depending on which one he was, would adjust the years that were there, and you would find out that if he wasn't the first son, that literally 205 years that his dad was alive and the years of everything lines up scripturally in the Bible. But if you make him the first son, it doesn't. So does the Bible list him by age or by importance? We don't know. We don't know, but I'm thinking by importance because then it lines up the scriptural date. And it's very accurate. Right? I just threw that in there so you'd know. That sometimes when you read things in the Bible, because people, this is what they do. They say, well, that, there's, uh, there's discrepancies in the Bible. Only discrepancies if you don't research. Only discrepancies if you're not asking the Holy Spirit to show you what the, where things line up. The Bible will always confirm itself, but there are hidden things within the Bible that you can't get if you just gradually, casually read it. If you read the Bible like it is your lifeline and not some novel, if you read the Bible like you would read Inc. Magazine trying to learn how to be prosperous, if you, if you would read the Bible like you would read how to start a business, you would learn principles on how to run a business that will bring you the prosperity that's even greater than that which you would read. If you'd read the Bible like you read People magazine trying to learn about all the movie stars, and you'd read the Bible like that trying to learn 
of the art, the patriarchs of the Bible and Jesus and who he really was and the disciples and dig into their lives. If you'd read the Bible like People Magazine, is there People Magazine anymore? But I mean, if you would do that, I am not against reading, I don't even know if there is. I'm sure there is. It's still there. If you'd read the Bible like the National Enquirer and believe it like you do that other stuff, I don't think too many are reading that. But I'm just saying it's a great, you know, it's a shock thing. I'm trying to shock you so you'll think about it. <laughs> Next time you see this thing about a guy having a baby on National Enquirer and you're like, oh, how'd that happen? And you read it with so much faith that this really happened. But then you pick up the Bible and you read it and you go, mm, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you believe the National Enquirer for crying out loud. I don't know why I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> hey, you just got to laugh a little bit. Some things make you laugh. Just laugh. You know, the thing is, the joy of the Lord will give you strength. So if you read the National Enquirer and you laugh, it, you know, it's okay. Just, you read it, you laugh. <laughs> then you can put out there, have you ever seen this goofy thing? This is just hilarious. People believe this, but they don't believe there's a God. I'm a, I'm a agnostic. I don't believe there's God. Haran was a city. It was a crossroads. It was a place of great comfort and wealth. And Abraham's fathers settled there. It's it's crazy to think. You know, when we want to take the Bible and we want to pick out the great things of God without looking at the flawed people he worked through. We take the Bible and we want to just grab a hold of the highlights and not dig into what really was going on it loses some power. That power that it loses is the power to keep you through trials and tribulations and struggles. Because you think that everything was easy when you only read the highlights. And so then when trouble comes, you all of a sudden think that somehow you're out of the will of God because there's a trial or a struggle. That's when God says, let me show you who I am. Just like my disciples getting in the boat and all of a sudden a storm shows up. That didn't mean God didn't tell them to go. 
That didn't mean he didn't tell them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Just because a storm showed up, the word of God never changed. The direction of God never changed. None of that ever changed. There was just a destructive force. Because we wrestle against wickedness in high places, not flesh. I love when they talk about things like when you start talking about alternative lifestyles, and if you say something bad against alternative lifestyle, they automatically want to refer it back to the fact you don't love people. Well, there's a big difference between loving people and tearing down an indoctrination culture that's destroying people. And sometimes the world just comes up against you and says, well, you don't love people. That's why you don't love people. And then what we do is that we have, we have a struggle. We have something coming against us. And so then we just decide, which is exactly what the fathers have done for years, we just decide to come over here and say, I must be relegated to the bench. I'm no longer in this game. I'm no longer in the game. When I used to coach soccer, and I did it for a lot of years, and believe it or not, I did this with four, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. I coached them until they were 15. But I'm even with four, five, and six-year-olds. I would teach them, when you're on the bench, you keep your eyes on the game. And when I tell you, hey, you go in for this person, don't you dare look at me and say, what position they playing? Well, how come you don't know? What were you watching? I was a little nicer because they were younger. I don't have to be nice to you guys. I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. Probably should be nicer. But anyway, I would say that. I'd be like, go in. And they were like, oh, what position? Like, Every sport's the same. Hey, go in for so-and-so, and the kid runs out in baseball. Pastor Kurt's been coaching baseball. He, he got voted to be the all-star coach. Hey, man, that's powerful. You know, they don't pick just everybody to be an all-star coach. He's not even in here to hear me. But anyway, but like baseball, hey, go in, for, go in and play uh, for Jimmy. And they run to the pitcher's mound, and Jimmy's a center fielder. I didn't mean to use Jimmy like, sorry. I mean, it's like telling you to go in for Jimmy and you get on the jump. Scotty's over there like, what's going on? <laughs> I might just keep him there while I'm preaching. No, this is good. <laughs> But we, we, accept, we accept the defeat, the pushback, and we go and we sit down. And our head goes down, and we're oblivious to what's going on. And you know what? All of the blessings that come from us as fathers 
all of the identity that comes from us as fathers, all of the strength that comes from us from fathers. Listen, the fathers give direction. I don't know if you looked out there, there's a banner with a compass on it. Where is the compass that's giving you the direction? And is your compass facing north? I, I actually, I don't do this very often, but this came to my heart. I, I, made, a, I, I made a restoring fatherhood, right, restoring fatherhood, but it's back to going north, facing true north. Not the definition the world gives you. Abraham didn't come from a perfect family, but he served a perfect God. He served a God that despite all of the things around him, could take him from a place and say, go and I'll show you where. Didn't even tell him where. Didn't say, hey, go tell you see the pine tree on the left and the oak tree on the right and make the left at the pine tree and then, you know, go to the, he, he didn't do that. He said, go. God says, start this. Well, I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know where that ends. Well, then do it in faith. You don't have to know where it ends to start it. You just got to know who's telling you to start. Start the journey. Pick up your Bible. Pick up your Bible and read your Bible. I don't know how to study the Bible. Somebody's got to teach me how to study the Bible. It's called the Holy Spirit. Pick it up by faith and say, okay, God, you told me. What do you want me to read? Should I start in Genesis? Everybody says you start reading the book of John. And God says, no, start in Psalms. Well, that's really weird, God. Why do I want to start in Psalms? Because that's what I said. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you mean brother so-and-so said I should read John, not Psalms. Which one's your God? And then you grab Psalms and you start reading. And you start hearing about the struggles of David and how he cried out. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what, God? That's where I'm at today. God's like, I knew that. Why I said go to Psalms. I'm not giving you a license to be rebellion. But I'm, I am going to give you a license to listen to the Holy Ghost. I know some people don't like to do that. They just want you to do what, I, what you, they tell you to do. I'll give you the license to listen to the Holy Ghost. 
That doesn't mean, though, that if I stand up here and say, as a body, we need to read the book of John, that doesn't mean you say, I'm not going to read John. God told me to read Psalms. No, what that means is now I have to read the Psalms and John. Well, why, why is that? Because if God is creating unity within a body of believers for a purpose, you need to be. This is why I still call me crazy, call me whatever you want. I know that when you are submitted to authority, you can operate in a higher authority. To the level you're submitted is the level to which you can operate. If you don't submit to authority, if you want to tell somebody all the time, it's not about control. Some people, it's about control. Well, you ask God for the wisdom. If there's a spirit of control, go somewhere else. But if it's actual authority and direction to create, because God said build an army. God said re restore men back into their rightful position. Then I'm coming in here to restore men back into their rightful position, to be the identity creators within the households, again, in America, so we can restore back biblical family, biblical structure. And in that process, when God does that, he breaks generational curses, and next thing you know, you have less rebellion in the children. You have less disease in the world. All because we submit to the direction and authority of God. And we get there when we come together because alone we're a voice, but together we're a force. So if I stand up here and say, we're going to read the book of John, it's not because I have some control issues. It's because God wants to create an army of believers who are in the same mindset. And so then what we do, that, doesn't, that does not take away God telling you to read Psalms. It adds to it. And in it, you'll receive a great reward. You'll get the freedom that God wants you to have because you're reading the Psalms that's going to break off some mindsets and all the things you've struggled through. And you're going to realize there's a man called David who was, who was rejected as a child, who was who was set aside by his parents as not even being worthy to be in his house when the, when the prophet came in to declare who the next king was. You'll start seeing all of these things about how his brothers beat up on him and talked to him bad. You'll start seeing all these things, and you'll see that in the middle of it all, he kept giving it up to God, asking God, why are there so many against me? Why? But I will trust in you. I will trust in you. And then all of the things going on in your life will be broken because you're in the the word of God and the spirit of God will come in and he'll say see you have that in your life I'm showing it to you now we can break it off and so you'll receive the freedom the Holy Spirit wants you to have and all the while you'll receive direction coming from the man of God that he's put in your life and the two come together to make you stronger And then we are stronger as the body of Christ because we're in unity.
and we're not fighting over whether we should have wore blue today or black. Although once in a while people get it right and they wear the same shirt I got on, but it doesn't happen very often. Abraham didn't move because he saw financial security. Abraham didn't move because he saw a greater land. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. Abraham didn't move because he thought it was going to be easier. Abraham moved because God told him to move. And he listened to God despite the fact his father didn't. Who said that? Say that again. Was that you? Abraham didn't listen to God for comfort. And he didn't listen to God just because his father did. As a matter of fact, he listened to God even though his father did not. I think it's time. That men, we have had generations that this gospel has not been preached to the level it should have been preached. We have had churches even that have preached to make your life more comfortable. It's time that we start hearing what God has to say for us as men even though our father maybe didn't listen to God either. And that we begin to lead our families. We begin to lead like we're called to lead. You know, you can't be created in the image and likeness of God and not be created to be a leader. Matter of fact, I don't say, I even say this. I said, we don't need more leaders. We need more leaders to serve. Why do I say that? Because you're all created in the image and likeness of God. You have an innate ability to lead. If you just let God work in you, you have an innate ability to lead, to stand up, to lead, because that's how God is. But here's where the problem comes, is we decide we want to lead, and we don't lead out of a heart of servanthood, which is the heart that Jesus led with. So we don't just need more leaders. We need more leaders that will serve. And you can serve when you have the confidence of God in you that you don't need to tell people what to do and, and lord over them, but you can serve them and not feel less than because you're serving because you know that you're greater as a server, as a servant of God, you're greater than just standing there acting like a leader.
Because when you lead out of that mindset, you're leading out of position. You're leading trying to establish an identity based on what you do. That's where us guys have been for years. We get our identity on what we do. Oh, when we meet a guy and we shake their hand, we say, hey, hi, hi, what's your name? Da, 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 da. What's the next thing out of our mouth? What do you do? Really? We, it is, right? I'm the same way. But, but, but we're establishing a contact. Oh, what's your name? Your name? Okay, great. And then what do you do? And now we start making decisions. This is the way the world works. We start making decisions based on what they do. Oh, oh, he just does that. Oh, well, nice to meet you. Moving on. Or, wow, you do that. I got to go to your house. Come on. They tell everybody to not, you know, not be judgmental, but that's the biggest lie in the world because every one of us are judgmental. Because you don't, you got, listen, listen, we're judging each other every time we look at them. We're like, hi, how are you? Who are you? Who are you? That's all judgment. We're just establishing grounds to be, now I know we're not supposed to, we need to get away from that. And that's the process of God where we're not ju judgmental like that. But come on, the person telling you to not judge me is judging you while they're telling you not to judge them. It's just, it's just the way it is. But our, <laughs> but our identity, our identity doesn't come from what we do. It comes from who we're attached to. It comes from God. And when our identity is secure in God, then we can serve and not feel insecure, not feel less than. Not feel like we're not somebody. Because you are somebody. You're somebody whether somebody thinks you're somebody or not. Say that three times fast. You're somebody whether somebody thinks you're somebody or not. I don't know if I could do it again, so that's my last one. Because your identity comes from your father. And the father, that principle, is the same in the natural as it is in the spirit. God, your father, gives you identity. And he's created the father on earth to give identity. And so I'm just asking this morning right now, if you, oh yeah, on your way out today, we have some compasses that we're going to give you for Father's Day. We have some compasses that we're going to give you. And I, you know, like I'm, I'm done early and they're still leaving me. Forget it, I'm going to preach another 20 minutes now. Oh, yeah, 
So we have some compasses to remind you today that as fathers, get your get yourself back on track. True north. Let God be the one that directs you. You can just use your compass and ask God for direction from it. Right? As a reminder that He is the one. And it doesn't matter what your past was, it doesn't matter what your your father did, what his father before him did. None of that matters. God can take you from right where you're at and turn you into the direction he wants you to go and give you that path that you can walk in and you can fulfill. You can fulfill, listen, you can fulfill the things that God has wanted your family to fulfill for generations. For generations. You can bring about in your family the change God has designed for generations he will make happen in your time. He is a redeemer of time. You don't have to say, well, for the last 50 years we've been missing it. God says all you do is turn and I'll be a God of suddenly and suddenly that very thing that I've called your family to be all of a sudden is. Because he'll redeem the time. I know there's some of you in here that are living it now. I know there is. But some of you are struggling to live it. And I want you to know you can do it. You can live it. I could pick people out of this group right here. And I could tell you some of their history. And I could tell you how God has taken everything that has been against them and how God has all of a sudden, suddenly, because they decided to forget about yesterday, the pain of the past, the failures of the past, to suddenly go with God's direction and see how God is restoring family, restoring generations. I can show you that in this room. But for those of you that aren't experiencing that yet, today's a day you can experience it. There is some, I think, root beer floats or something out there, too, when you get out there. You get to just have some root beer floats together and, and, just, say, and just say hi to each other. Family isn't getting to know the back of somebody's head. Some of us have more hair than others. He's been growing his out. It's getting longer, I think. He's crazy, man, out on the streets with the sunglasses on at night. His future's so bright, he's wearing shades at night. I remember that song. And he's like pumping, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some people are so crazy, they're like kneeling in the, in the, in the turn lane on their knees like this as the cars are going by. I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what they're thinking while they drive by. <laughs> Jesus in the streets. I have something to say. Three, four, five. 
Check, check. Check, check. It's on. Am I on now? Now you're on. Okay. Um, in regards to what Pastor Ken was saying about Jesus being true north, some of you may have heard of Jonathan Kahn, who has a Jewish background. He says, not only does Jesus always come first, but every single time you say your name, you are in submission to Jesus Christ. Because God's name, what is it? Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean? I am who I am. So every time you say, I am, you are already exalting our true north, Jesus, yeah. the Father God who created us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am Jim. Jim is in submission to I am. I am comes first. So now, from now on, wherever you go, wow. when you say your name, remember, you are following true north. Wow. Wow. That's a good that's a good reminder. That's a good reminder. Listen, if you want to get back on true north, you want to put the I am put yourself back into submission to I am. You want to break off the generations that have failed God and go forward. I'm going to open these altars up. I open these altars up every service because that's where all the work comes. The Holy Spirit will do more in two minutes in this altar than the last 20 minutes I just preached, whatever it was. Keep it up, it'll be longer again. <laughs> but these altars are open, and I'm just encouraging you today that you can make this shift. You can do it because it's not in your strength. It is in the submitting of your strength to God that you can make this shift. And I'm believing that God is going to transform this city, but it starts somewhere. And I just happen to believe it can start here. It can start here. When we start becoming people that let God be the direction. Let God be the one that gives us our identity. And not man. So I open these altars this morning. To anybody. Who wants to restore that relationship with God. Hallelujah. 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 I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Men, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I speak strength over you. I speak life over you. I speak courage over you in the name of Jesus. I speak to every one of you men that today is the day of transition, change, shake off everything from yesterday 
and let today be a new day. And listen, if you're a lady and you're in here, that applies to you too. But I'm just kind of picking on men today because I know God needs to restore the image of manhood. Because this is what we used to say when we would raise up young men. We'd say manhood in Christ-likeness is synonymous. It's the same. That image of a man they put on TV, that image of a man on a magazine, that image of a man that you put on billboards that you see everywhere, that is not the image of man. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. They're the same. A real man looks like Christ, walks like Christ, talks like Christ. That's a real man. And so I encourage you today to become like that man. Amen? Amen. All right, well, I'm opening up the altars, and if you want to come up here, you can come up here. If you... We'll, we'll put this out there. There's a car show coming up. It, oh, it's today. Well, all right. Today, if you're not doing anything, you can go to Auto Parts. Where's this at? Which one? All right, we'll put it out there. You can see it. So it's a it's a benefit for disabled vets. So, but if you wanna if you wanna here, can somebody take put that out there on the billboard? Okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get some. Uh, Let's just celebrate together Father's Day. Hey, call your father even if you haven't talked to him in a while. Maybe text him. Maybe call him. Do whatever. Reach out to him. Somebody's got to be the one who's not afraid to bridge the gap. I don't know what you're saying to me. There's a video. Oh, well, nobody told me that. All right, we're going to end with a video. But listen. Have the courage and the strength to reach out to your father, whether you have talked to him in the last year, two years, three years, whatever it is. Have the strength to reach out and just say, Happy Father's Day, and watch God open doors for you. Watch this video, and after the video, join us for ice cream and rook. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.